2: So glad to see all your smiling faces. I see most of you figured out the time change. There'll be a few more that drift in in the next 25 minutes. It's kind of funny for me up here watching. Um, anyway, we've been having some conversations about essential habits that Christians, um, Christ followers, um, AK Christians, need to have. I'm thrilled my wife is up here. Her, her name is Mary. There was just a, a little bit of an um, autocorrect error in the newsletter. So my phone's been blowing up about who's Marcy all week. So. Um, Mary, a.k.a. Marcy, will be ministering with me today. It's a good thing
1: he didn't say my new and improved wife, or he would have been in big trouble.
2: I've been married a long time. I learned that a long time ago. But we are talking about forgiveness, so even if I did say something like that, uh, we offend one another and we for. Forgive one one another, Another. yeah. So, foundationally today, though, as we look at um, some of the scriptures in Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Who are you supposed to forgive when they offend you? Anyone. Anyone. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We're talking about essential habits today, and as Christ followers, it's imperative that we forgive one another, that we forgive others. It's kind of a command. It's not language of request, it's language of command. And then in Ephesians 4, uh, 31 and 32, and (laughs) when I put this in, I was laughing. I was like, I think I can get this passage in just about every message, because it covers so much of how we're supposed to live as Christ followers get rid of all bitterness rage anger harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior instead be kind to each other tender hearted and there's today's topic forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you so as we start looking at this i want you to understand forgiveness it's more about your attitude not someone else's action it's an attitude of your heart and understanding that forgiveness is always undeserved, or it wouldn't be forgiveness. It's more about guarding your own heart, keeping your own heart in a good place. And it's, it's out of your heart the issues of life flow, the abundance of life flows. So we want you to understand the power of forgiveness today, because we want you to understand your heart can be whole, and we want forgiveness to be rooted deep within your heart as well. Uh. In Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And that leads us into um, Martin Luther King said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a constant attitude.
1: Amen. So we want to put together um, a little bit of... (laughs) A framework, too, when we're talking about forgiveness and what it's supposed to be.
2: And we're going to have lots of opportunities to forgive one another today. But We Angel, are.
1: I wasn't wait. done talking. No, you that's cut okay. me you're off. You're done. You're done talking. See? Yep, you're done. <laughs> Should we turn it back on?
2: I forgive Maybe. you. You forgive me. <laughs> but I wasn't done. <laughs> no, it's okay. Read Matthew 18.
1: Um, oh, wait. You, you want can't, to read Matthew? Because I 18? didn't put it in
2: your notes, it's in my notes.
1: <laughs> so you want to go ahead and finish? Sure, Matthew I just want to 18? read
2: that. Okay. Uh, Matthew 18, 21 to 22. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven or four hundred and ninety times. I mean, I see Peter here and he's like thinking, you know. If someone does something against me, I might forgive him and I'll forgive him again and then I'll forgive him again, but he's thinking if I have to forgive 7 times, God, you know, that's a lot, but no, Jesus really wanted us to forgive 490 times. Or basically the point that Jesus was making is as often as they ask forgiveness, you need to forgive. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Please forgive me. <laughs>
1: sure. No problem.
2: You're not touching my mic. Go ahead.
1: So as I was saying before... (laughs) Go ahead. um, We want to talk a little bit about and touch on what forgiveness is not. Okay, and when we are trying to put a biblical framework together, oftentimes there is a misrepresentation of what biblical forgiveness looks like. So we want to touch a little bit on that today. Um, Forgiveness doesn't mean... Um, forgetting, or even a pardon, okay? Forgiveness does not mean, it's the, uh, forgiveness is not the same story as reconciling. Forgiveness doesn't mean denying the pain or the reality of a, a repeated offense. Forgiveness does not mean trust or lack of boundaries. Forgiveness is not a feeling, but it's a choice and it's an act of will that you, ex- uh, an extension of grace. And it's really important to know that forgiveness as well is not an event. It's a process. Okay? So, when we're talking about forgiveness and biblical forgiveness, we want to build the framework and the center of forgiveness around the cross of Christ. Always around the cross of Christ. That is the beginning and end of all things is the cross of Christ. And As Christians, we have to understand and have an awareness of we are truly unable to forgive without that divine grace and enablement through the cross of Christ to forgive someone and that we were first forgiven. And when we focus, see, the Bible tells us to take up our cross daily. And part of what that means is when we take up our cross daily is that to forgive, we have to recognize and realize something must happen die. And one of those things really that must die is the part of our pride that demands that we are the ones to get justice for what happened to us. And we're the ones that can only make it right. When we have to have a demonstration and a working in our lives of humility, because when we go to the cross, and, and daily Jesus says to go to the cross, because this is something daily that we have to do to go to the cross, that we position ourselves there and the first thing it should remind us of is out of humility is my sin. My sin against other people, my sin against Jesus, the debt that he paid for me. And at the cross, it also helps us when we go there when we're praying and asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, like what did why does this bother me? What's going on in my life? What is what is happening? It's the place of all truth and knowledge. And also the Holy Spirit will through people, people around you and through um, inadvertently being able to have information through the Holy Spirit being able to tell you and share to you insight about the other person who did offend you. And when you're able to see the other person the way God sees them, not did, but now. Because Jesus died for them too. The person that you do not like very much, and we don't want to use the word hate because that's not biblical.
2: Oh. Nice. Ha. (laughs) I wanted to talk so I turned her notes over and she turned my iPad down. (laughs) That was good, babe. That was a good one. I have to jump in here. Do you want to jump in though? I do. Okay. Jump in because I want to just talk real quick about the people who have offended you and how Jesus died for them too. So let's just do this little visualization. Close your eyes for a minute. Some of you already had your eyes closed. I see that. They're catching up on the some lights, sleep. The lights are They're set right up. today. I can see the people that are sleeping. <laughs> I'm gonna bang the table. Like, anyways, I want you to picture and visualize the person who has hurt you the most in life the person who did the most harm to you, the person that wronged you. And some of them did some horrifying things. People do horrifying things to one another. And now I want you to understand and realize that Jesus died on the cross so that they could know him too. And he loves them so much that he died for them as well. So the person that offended you, Jesus died for them just like he died for you. And he wants everyone to repent of their sin and give their life to him so that they can be with him forever. And, and when we're processing the pain, when we're looking at the hurt that people have caused us, and it's very real hurt and it's very real pain, and I don't wanna diminish that by any means, but we have to constantly remind ourselves that we've also hurt other people we've caused some pain and suffering in the lives of other people as well. And it's in our own brokenness that we receive forgiveness from Christ for the things that we've done to others, but it's that same brokenness in our heart that allows us right, to release forgiveness towards others that offended us. And and really it's the work of Christ inside of us that gives us the ability to forgive others. but you have to die out of the things that you want, and, and you can pick up there on, on, on that.
1: So, you know, in our lives as Christians, it's really important the perspective we have about um, some of the things that God commanded us to do. And forgiveness is one of them. It, it's not optional. It is a command. And we have to understand that forgiveness is not a method that you learn. It's a truth that we live out in our life. That's why it's the posture of our heart and the attitude of our heart as we walk out daily taking up our cross and following him. But part of that truth is understanding and realizing that when we're processing pain through the cross of Christ, when we're processing uh, the hurt and, and all of the things that have happened to us, it should demonstrate the glory of God in our own lives and always, always, always point towards the cross of Christ. Like every opportunity that we are given to forgive someone, it's not a demonstration about how good you are, how awesome you are. And look at me. I'm so, you know, I'm such a great Christ follower. I forgive you. It should always be that it's a demonstration of look how awesome God is he forgave me because i'm right there being reminded at the foot of the at the place of the cross of my sin the reason and the only reason i'm able to forgive you is because he forgave me first and now i extend that grace to you because what you're in effect saying is jesus applied the blood to my sin so i have to do the same and say When I'm looking at you through the cross of Christ, I have to say, Jesus, I apply the blood to their sin. I apply the blood to their sin, too, because you did it for me. And that's a demonstration not of what you did, but of what Jesus did. And it gives glory back to him and reminds us of the goodness of God in our lives. Do you want to read Psalm 19?
2: Absolutely. I can read it. You want just verse 14, right? Yes is okay. verse 14. So Psalms 19:14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So at this point in the conversation, we have to come to the conclusion that you know, we meditate and what we meditate on in our heart will often determine the outcome in our lives. And bitterness is actually a form of meditation. It's just a negative form of meditation. And, the, you know, we, we rehearse and we rehearse and we go over the pain and we go over the hurt. And every time we rehearse it, it's, it's something we're meditating on, but it's forming something inside of us that's not holy. Um, it's forming something inside of us that's not from God. And uh, Paul Tripp says it like this. He says, bad things tend to happen when you give offenses, time to marinate in your heart. And... and I mean, the Bible even encourages us. I wouldn't the... say that that's
1: cross-focused, would you?
2: No, it's That's not... probably
1: what happens when you choose not to... Focus on the cross. Focus on the
2: cross. Absolutely. And, and part of it is, the Bible talks about how... Um... What does the Bible talk about? Lots <laughs> well, of things. I got distracted by her beauty.
1: Aww. Oh, I and I, I totally lost ask. my train of
2: thought. <laughs> You better talk.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I need a minute. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, I want to actually talk a little bit more about this when we don't focus on the cross and what can happen. And so, when we tend to marinate on the offenses that happen to us and we entertain ourselves with painful memories. we're not just doing it to ourselves. Oftentimes, we're drawing other people into our offense because we're gossiping, we're complaining, we're mumbling, we're going to talk to other people about we're offended, about what we are offended about. And so we are drawing other people into our offense that do not have the offense. But now the truth is we are responsible for now causing our brother and sister in Christ to stumble. And now have to struggle in their heart with an offense. And that is, that's our responsibility. And that's why it's so important. I think what you were trying to do is, because the Bible says we're supposed to go to one another personally. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <Matthew
2: 18? laughs> when a brother
1: or sister offends us, yeah, so what are we supposed to do?
2: We read Matthew 18 a little bit earlier. And if you, if you were to back up a few verses, you would see when someone offends you, you go to them privately first. And then privately. If you keep, if you keep reading, yes. then it says to, to bring a neutral mediator. And, and we know in places where you're unsafe, you usually skip to that step. But the third step is then you call the local church. And, and I told everyone at first service, that's when you call Pastor Larry. He loves handling all of those conflict situations. Yes.
1: And we um, also, too, if you forgive me. I'm I will just insert as a, as a qualifier, like, we cannot possibly cover all the different circumstances, and, um, you know, the different environment um, that things happen uh, when we're talking about uh, forgiveness and biblical forgiveness. Like, in different relationships, there's special considerations given for certain things, and and when we are seeking help and counsel, um, and we're seeking to do it God's way, like, there's, there's different instances. Like, when you're married, you can't just uh, decide, oh, I, I've changed and I've grown and, you know, we don't get along anymore and I, I want to walk away from this marriage. You can't do that. That's not biblical. But if you decide in a friendship that this friendship is not, we're going in two different directions, we have different interests in our lives and I feel like God's calling me in a different direction, you, you can make that distinction. You can make that distinction, and, but that doesn't mean that the relationship needs to be left in unforgiveness you can forgive you can move on and you you generally you genuinely wish that person well but that there's special instances like we're talking about when we're talking about forgiveness right now we're talking generally as a body of believers how we do life together as a community of believers when we're working specifically in consideration with marriages and relationships and with family you know you can't choose your family but you you know you love them they're going to they're supposed to be in your life forever we want to Work with those relationships and make sure that we can um, offer um, a roadmap and and things to do that we can obviously not just bring forgiveness because forgiveness does not mean restoration. But when we're with in those relationships with husbands and wives and family and those people, we want to put in place a roadmap for restoration to begin and healing to begin and all of those things to begin to happen. But you can, you can have forgiveness without having the other present. So there's, there's so much more to talk about in there. But that's all and we're like, going to say for now.
2: The truth is, you know, uh, we have this um, mandate on our lives to deliver the word of God when we sit here in this place. But we have the same grace that any other Christ follower has to live this out in our day-to-day lives. And what that means mm-hmm. is, there are some days that my wife does not like me or how I'm acting. Never I detect a bit of me sarcasm there. <laughs> <laughs> but conversely, there's days that I don't like her. How could that be? Is that a thing? It's not often. And but we have to come to the place in our own relationship where we offend one another and we forgive. And we move beyond. And, and often, um, one of the best ways that we can do that is, look, we're not seeing eye to eye right now, but I want to draw you in and let's pray. Jesus, help us right now in this moment when we are not seeing eye to eye. Because we know and understand that we are in a covenant with Christ, we're in a covenant with each other, and we're not going to allow something silly to get in the way of us loving one another, and and that doesn't mean it's not without challenge or conversation, or uh, some people call it intense fellowship, um, from time to time. And you know, I tell people if they ask, you know, about us, um, marriage is made in heaven. You're very correct, but we're both Type A personalities, so um, uh, marriage is made in heaven. So is thunder and lightning. Uh, (Laughter) uh, when we're getting along, we can get a lot done, and when we hit, we hit hard. <laughs> but that's why we have to constantly bring ourselves to the place of and we do love practice. and forgiveness. You're
1: very good at this. We do practice loving through conflict. Yes, um, we do practice. He does practice that very well. So do you. So um, you can do that in all your relationships, though. It's not just in marriage. Absolutely, especially when. You are working on forgiveness in your own heart. Genuine acts of kindness are very good to help you with your heart. It's not for them. It's for you. So That's why you do those acts of kindness. It's for you because it keeps your heart soft and for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, like, what's happening, what's going on, and for you to be able to see them through the lens of how Jesus sees them and for the Holy Spirit to give you insight, give you wisdom into what's happening. We've been
2: known... Um, to make each other a cup of coffee or a cup of tea on a fairly regular basis. But when we're in conflict and my wife brings me a cup of tea, I've never been so afraid of a cup of tea in my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) C.S. Lewis says it like this. um, Forgiveness is a lovely thought until you have something to forgive. (laughs) He kind of goes on and talks about, as regards to my own sin, it's a safe bet, though not a certainty, that the excuses are not so really good as I think. As regard to other men's sins against me, it's a safe bet, though not a certainty, that the excuses are better than I think.
1: Which, which is, again, basically saying somebody else has a story. Not just your story. It's not all about you, but there is a reason. You know, hurting there, there's a lot of truth to, you know, we all have heard it. Hurting people hurt people. And there's a lot of truth to that. So when we are offended by others, you know, there is a reason, ultimately, there's a reason why they did what they did. And if we can um, look, get to the reason as to why they did what they did and see them through those eyes, then, you know, you get a completely different perspective. God's able to show you a different perspective. And so much more easily are you able to um, extend that grace to them because you're able to see them in a different way. Amen.
2: So, want to talk about talk the forgiveness, forgiveness trap? It's a trap. You want me to talk about it? We can t- both talk about it. We that. can talk about it? Okay. So, there's this forgiveness trap that happens when the offender and the offended, okay, um, when you have hurt someone or someone has hurt you, it might take the Holy Spirit. Um, let me rephrase that. The Holy Spirit will convict them of that immediately, but sometimes people don't hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to their heart for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if you've got a lot of emotion rolling around in there and you're angry. Um, you're not listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying. He's trying to convict you of your sin, and you're not listening. And six months later, he gets your attention. Usually when we get to communion and we do an altar call and he says, bam, to your heart, and you go, uh-oh, oh, I better deal with that. But then you, six months later after you hurt someone, go to the person you hurt and say, remember when I did that six months ago? I'm so sorry, please forgive me. And here's where the trap comes in. They don't always immediately just say, oh, I forgive you, brother, or I forgive you. They don't do that always. And we perceive that their hesitancy to forgive them back or to release them is a greater sin than the one that they committed against you in the first place. But I don't know that the hesitancy has to do with a lack of desire. But you should also give them a period of time to come to the place of forgiveness, just like you had a period of time to come to the place where you could even acknowledge it. And and I guess what I'm saying is, especially in cases of abuse and betrayal, you can't force people to forgive. You have to allow it to be a work of the it's birthed out of the spirit of God, right? So it's a process. Yeah, and not an and, event. And, we know we need to get there because it's a command. It's, it's not an option before Christ, right? Forgiveness is... It's
1: actually not truly forgiveness. It would be then, by what you've just described, it's false forgiveness. Because if you expect an immediate response and say, oh yeah, I've totally forgive you. It's no, no problem. It's all good. When truly, you, it's not. Because you haven't worked out in your own heart your feelings toward the situation. And if you expect... That answer right away, then all too often, the person who is demanding to be forgiven should actually understand and realize that you are never in a place to demand or command anything. The only person who is, uh, is able to command or demand forgiveness is Jesus, is God. He's the only one. The resp- you are only able to request. We are only able to request forgiveness. And at that point, we leave it with that person. Because if you demand forgiveness, and then thereby think that you can, and this is again what I'm talking about, it's a misrepresentation of a biblical principle, that you can then go use the Bible and say, well, the Bible says you have to forgive me. You have to. It doesn't give a time frame. It's, it, forgiveness is, yes, you must forgive. But Like Pastor RJ said, it took you six months to realize or come to the place where you obey the Holy Spirit and go and ask for forgiveness. So now you need to give that person the same amount of time to process those feelings and emotions and and then come to you and say, thank you for giving me the time to process my thoughts and emotions about this. I do forgive you. Thank you. And real forgiveness has then happened there. And and you can move on uh, either with that relationship or wherever it's going to go, either you, the process of trust can begin because also in that, um, restoration of trust and forgiveness are two distinct yet related things. So I'm, I'm going to say it this way. Brad Hambrick says it this way. He says, one can cancel out a debt without being eager to give more credit.
2: Let me just throw an illustration there. Okay. So if you, some people do this more than others. Um, they get historical about people's f- past failures. Never. I didn't say you. I said some people. <laughs> um, but that's really a sign that you haven't really fully processed it in your heart. There's still some unforgiveness. Because if you're constantly referring back to a past failure that's already been forgiven. And, and I like to say, look, if you've let it go and you've released it, then you don't bring it up anymore. Yeah. OK? However, forgiveness is distinct from trust because you're not going to put yourself or should not put yourself back into harm's way when you're in an abusive situation. So if someone's been mistreating you physically, they've been beating you More up. Or emotionally. Yeah, yeah. There's many, there's many ways. Anyway, I was just using that anyways. one. But, but what happens is you don't go put yourself in a position where the abuser can continue to abuse you. Okay, so that's why I'm saying where forgiveness is is distinct from trust. They're linked, but the problem is sometimes people are not trustworthy, and I'll use this illustration, and I don't want to open this up for a huge teaching, but very simply, in a marriage covenant, if one of the partners um, breaks the covenant and goes outside of the covenant sexually and has an affair, okay, biblically, Jesus talks about, well, we gave you divorce because of the hardness of heart, but... In these cases of infidelity, we can grant divorce. So you have a legal exit, biblically, from the marriage at that point. Now, we know affairs don't happen in a vacuum, and I don't want to get into all that right now. But, but what happens is, or what I'm trying to say is, um, the one who is cheated on can come to a place of forgiveness, but they never, may, sometimes they don't get back to that place of trust, and the marriage ends. And, and, and that's the reality of the fallen, sinful world we live in and the pain that we But forgiveness create. is given.
1: Forgiveness, forgiveness can be released. released. wish them well. I just wish can't them well stay
2: and- married to you anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen others that they repair their marriage and they grow stronger in faith and, and they're able to work through it. Um, but,
1: but the other but, thing that happens too, when we become historical about the previous offenses and things somebody has done to us. Not only are you meditating on bitterness and you're allowing the offense to marinate in your heart, okay, you are also defining that person by only their faults. You've boxed them in with only how bad they are to you and what they've done to you, uh, you perceive as how they've sinned against you. And, that there's so much more to that person than just their faults. Isn't there so much more to you as an individual? Is that how you want somebody to perceive you? By only what you did wrong to them and through their faults and never be extended any grace. There's, there's, a, there's a process that we work out there when we talk about, yes, there's forgiveness, but there is a distinction now when we talk about forgiveness, okay, and now we move forward to let's, let's put out um, um a pathway forward to build now some restoration to the relationship and a way to bring back trust. Amen? And
2: then, and then connected to that, and it ties into what we were talking about earlier from Matthew 18. How many are in relationship with someone, whether it's a friend, a spouse? How many know people and you have relationships?
1: God does everything through
2: relationship. Okay. If someone you're in relationship with is getting caught in unforgiveness, okay? And they wanna just keep rehearsing it to you. You, at that point, need to stop them and say, listen, we need to start changing what we're meditating on in our heart. And let's take this to the cross and lay it down and leave it, okay? Because otherwise, you start getting into gossip, you start getting into slander, and then you start building an offense in your own heart against someone that didn't even do anything wrong against you. And that's one of the problems that we tell people, go to the person privately. Don't go tell this person, this person, and this person. Um, I see uh, Jeremiah and Marjorie are sitting here in the front. And, you know, if Jeremiah and I have an issue, Jeremiah's going to come to me and say, hey, I have an issue with you. You looked at me funny the other day, you know, or whatever. Like, <laughs> and, and, oh, I'm sorry, Jeremiah. I didn't, I didn't even... I didn't notice you. That didn't help. Um, <laughs> exactly. No, I'm just saying, I'm sorry. I, I, I was actually looking beyond you. You just didn't see the guy. You didn't see Rolly behind you. That I, anyway. But what happens is, instead of coming to me, if he complains to his wife Marjorie, and to Sharon, and to Don and Terry, and to Tekla, and to uh, Stephen, and uh, oh my goodness Kayla, Kayla, Kayla thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know your name. You forgave him, right? (laughs) I promise. (laughs) Anyway, um, then the problem is Kayla comes up to me and says, hey, I think Jeremiah's really upset with you. I go to Jeremiah. We work it out. But guess what? Everyone else that knows about it is still offended because they don't know that we solved the offense. This is why the Bible gives us a model on this, and we have to be quick to forgive.
1: But also too if we're quick to say to our brother and sister in Christ, because we love one another, hey, I really think we need to stop talking about this right now because you have to also take responsibility to guard your own heart because that's you also not just saying to them, hey, like, I realize you're upset with them. I, you know what? If you need me to go with you, I will, but I really feel like you need to go talk to them. You know, like You are guarding your heart from taking on the offense as well and not hearing what they have to say, because then uh, you're wrestling with it afterwards. Does that make sense? That we, and we have to be okay with each other doing that. We have to be okay with each other. If we're going to mature in our walk together as a community of believers in a body of Christ, we have to be okay with each other saying, you know what, this is, this is the right way. This is the biblical way we need to handle these things so we can build relationships together, not tear them down. Amen.
2: And for those of you taking notes in Matthew 5, uh, 43 to 48, Jesus is talking about loving your neighbor and hitting your enemy, but praying for those that persecute you. But it's, it's, it's a matter of you don't just love the people that love you, right? If you're only kind to your friends, how are you any different than the world? You have to be kind to the people, you know, maybe that mistreat you. And, and I mean, how many of you can think of someone that's mistreated you and kindness is the last thing on your mind? but that's what Jesus tells us we need to do. Think about Jesus on the cross in Luke 23, 34. What does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And you know, I'm sure that the Romans that were crucified, they knew exactly what they were doing crucifying him, but they had no idea. Until after the fact, I think, that maybe he was the son of God and he was innocent. And, And you know... Jesus was able to pray for those that were literally murdering him as he took the sins of all mankind on himself because he didn't think that they fully understood. And sometimes people don't fully understand what they're doing. I'd be willing to say that a lot of us get offended and upset with others and we don't even know what's going on. They don't even know that they're offending us, right? Like, how many times have you not, you've looked at someone funny and they, you didn't know that they, you know, the person that you're upset with does they're not even aware that they offended you. They weren't trying to offend you, but we read things in. And and we have to stay away from that, I don't know, I call it the talk show syndrome, man. Like those people that you see on Dr. Phil and on, like, sometimes I'm like looking at them like, do you live for that kind of drama, you know? And then they, <gasps> And they just, they just want to get upset. And I'm like, we're Christians. We shouldn't be living that way.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, what also helps is if we decide already before the offense comes to think the best of people, to think the best of our brother and sister in Christ. Because you'll be slower to offense if, you know, something was said or something done. If you think, you know what, they, they probably are just having a bad day. Like, I know them. They would not do that. They would never intentionally say that or do that on purpose to hurt me. I know them. Let it go. And you can say, God, they might, and pray for them. God, they're have, I think they're having a bad day, you know. I lift them up to you. Lord. Or you're going to them and saying, you know what, How, can I help you? Can I do something? I, 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 you know that this is not them. And then you, so much more easily, you just, you just let it go. You're not offended because you know that's not them. They're just having, it's just a bad day or something happened and it's an opportunity instead to not be offended, but an opportunity to help and to extend grace and to actually let them know that you see them and they're not alone in whatever they're going through at the time.
2: There's, there's a concept that often when someone's um, lashing out at you, it has nothing to do with you. It's what's going on inside of them, and if we're discerning, we can pick up on that, and if we're not easily offended on those things. Uh, you know, in, in the book of Mark, verse 11, uh, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 25, it says, "But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins to you." You know, You're never going to forgive more than you've been forgiven.
1: That is the truth. Let's stand together. We think about that. We will never forgive more than we have been forgiven.
2: And to my wife, who I love, I often serve her the elements when we come to the table. And we just, our practice is we take the the bread and we break it because that's what Jesus did. He broke it, symbolizing his broken body. But also we're in a covenant with one another, And we exchange half and half because my life is hers and her life is mine because we're together. And it's a sign of our unity. It's a sign of our oneness. And we come to the table, I want to make sure I have no unforgiveness in my heart towards my wife or anyone else for that matter. So just take a moment and look within, search your heart. And if you've got ought or offense or unforgiveness there, you need to at least take a step to release it. And I know sometimes it's a process and you release it today and you got to release it again this afternoon and again tomorrow and again tomorrow night. But just keep releasing it. Keep letting it go. Don't stay there. Don't keep it within you. It'll destroy even your body. It'll destroy your mind. It destroys your soul if you leave unforgiveness there unchecked. So Father, we, we come to you today with our hearts open. And you know, maybe maybe some of you, as I'm beginning to pray, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about letting something go. Maybe you find yourself easily offended. Maybe you find yourself having a hard time letting go. You tend to hold on to grudges. You don't know how to release them, but you want the the God of peace, the God of hope to release you of that and do a work in your heart to help you to let it go. We die to self. And I think I'm hearing that that's something that's really hard for some of you because it's easy for you to forgive others, but you have a really hard time forgiving yourself. And I'll say to you, if Jesus says, I forgive you, Are you greater than God by not forgiving yourself? If he can forgive you and he's God, we need to let ourselves go. And some of you are paralyzed today in your faith and you're not moving forwards because you're not progressing, you're not maturing because you're stuck and you're having a hard time forgiving yourself for things that you've done and said. And Jesus is telling you today, give it to me. Lay it down at the cross. Receive my forgiveness. You have to release it to receive it, to receive forgiveness. So Father, as we have the bread in our hands, in your brokenness, you made a way for us to be restored to wholeness. And Lord, as people all over this room are releasing forgiveness right now, even towards themselves, I thank you that healing is flowing into everybody that restoration, that the soul, Lord, is being refreshed and restored to wholeness and that we have the mind of Christ because the peace of God that's beyond our understanding is present. So Father, I thank you that you're restoring hearts and souls, minds, bodies, all over this room. And there's some, Lord, that you're just pouring out your love into their life right now. Pour out your love, your presence on your sons and your daughters today. In Jesus' name.
1: You know, today as we prepare to take the cup, I just, um, I want to, um, I want to acknowledge, um, And really say, and make sure that that you're hearing me, that forgiveness does not condone what was done to you. Forgiveness isn't making making excuses for what was done to you. Forgiveness, God hates what was done to you. God hates sin. And there are many of us here, who are walking through real pain and anguish and anger. Many of us walking through hurt, shame, and and trying to uproot the bitterness that has been in our heart for so long because things were done to you that were absolute evil and they were wrong and they were not your choice and your innocence was stolen and it was taken from you. Things were done to you that were not your choice. And now you're left struggling, a shell of nothing, broken and hurting so badly that you have no words to say. And yet you're sitting here telling me, Pastor Mary, I need to forgive. But this is why the cross of Christ is so powerful, is because through the cross of Christ, When you come to Jesus, Jesus is saying to you, I can empathize, not just empathize, I know what you're feeling. I have experienced that feeling. Let me heal you. Let me take away your shame. Let me take away the anger. Bring it to me because there at the cross, I want to heal you and I am the one who will right the wrong that was done to you. Will you let me do that? Will you let Jesus do that? Because I can guarantee you. The reason God says vengeance belongs to me is because he is the one who will, by who he is and the character of who he is, make it right because he is a just God. And whatever was done to you, Jesus is not condoning it by saying, you need to extend forgiveness. Jesus wants you to be free. And here's the truth, and it's a very hard truth. But Jesus did out of the greatest, greatest suffering of his life, the greatest pain and the greatest torment of his life came the greatest victory, the greatest power that the world has ever known. And the truth is if you want power to come out of your pain, you need to bring it to the cross because that's the only place where power will come from the pain. And the truth is out of your greatest pain is the outpouring of the greatest ministry that God will give you. That is the truth, but that only happens through the cross of Christ. The outpouring of that pain at the cross is the outpouring on the other side of resurrection life and, and the God, the how awesome is God? That's the God that you serve. That's the God that you know that says, if you let me, I'll take your pain and I'll turn it into something powerful. And you just stomp on the enemy and say, get behind me, Satan, because what you meant to destroy me, God says, I'm taking it and I'm turning it into a weapon. And that you're gonna, he's gonna use to work in you and through you, to be the ministry that you are going to bring healing. What was broken in your life, God is saying it's whole. And you're going to bring wholeness to somebody else's broken places from the brokenness that was in yours. God is the one that gives beauty for ashes. For ashes, God is the one that gives beauty for ashes. And that's a hard truth to embrace and recognize, but that's why Jesus says, There's revelation. I can't even begin to unpack the revelation. And when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me daily. Every day you need, every moment you need Jesus to do the work that he's called you to do because without him, you will do nothing. And at the cross of Christ is the only place where your brokenness And your pain becomes something that only God can do, only God. And then what it does is, is it, you become a demonstration of the glory of God. You are a demonstration of the glory of God and his goodness in your life and his mercy in your life. And when you release it to him, it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but that's why it's a process and it's not an event. It's something that you're gonna have to do over and over again and even years later, when something happens and it triggers something, it touches on a place of pain and you're like, Jesus, why is this coming up again? I thought we dealt with this. Go back to the cross and you're gonna do it again because you're doing it every day and you're doing it daily. And that place of pain, you'll see, God is going to pour in gold. He's pouring in gold and he's refining it and he's making it into something beautiful that is going to bring blessing into somebody else's life. But are you willing to go there? Are you willing to go there to the places of your greatest pain even if it wasn't by your choice? And truly, truly, You had nothing to do with it and all that was done to you was evil and it was wrong. Jesus never condoned it, but he never left your side. And he was there with you and he's with you to the end. And at the cross, he didn't just die to take away the shame and the guilt and the rejection and the oppression and to break chains. He died so on the other side of it is resurrection life. So that he sets you free to something, to go and do something for him through that pain. Father, I'm asking you that you would come minister to the hearts of your people. You know each and every heart here, Lord, and you know the burden, you know the pain. You know the grief, you know the sorrow, you know the brokenness. You know. And you were there when there was horrible and evil things done. And you do not call it good. You hate sin. And only the blood of Jesus covers that. Only at the cross of Christ is all made right. I thank you, God, that together as a body of Christ that we would choose to release to you the right to judge. That we release it to you, Lord God, that you will make it right. Father, I thank you that we choose to embrace those places of our greatest pain at the cross of Christ, to bring them to you to leave them there with you, to, to process them, to walk through them to the other side, to resurrection life with you, God. And I thank you, Lord, that we can surrender those places of brokenness to you, the places of our greatest pain. And I thank you, God, that that's just the kind of God you are, that you are the one who can turn beauty and or can turn ashes into beauty. You're the one who can do that. The only one. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your love. I thank you that at the cross of Christ, we can go there every day, any moment of the day, all day long and bring to you our hurt, bring to you all of our fear, bring to you all of our sin, our shame. Our suffering. At the cross of Christ, I thank you, God, that that's there where we find the grace and enablement, not just to forgive ourselves, but to extend forgiveness to someone else and say to them, I apply Jesus to your sin because Jesus did it for me. Thank you, God, that we remember why you suffered. Thank you, God, that we remember as we take the cup this morning, the shedding of your blood and that out of your greatest pain and greatest suffering the world has ever known, you brought us the greatest victory, the greatest freedom, the greatest joy to be able to be joined again in relationship with you. And we receive that today in Jesus' name.
0: Thank you, pastors. It's amazing grace, the great exchange. When we leave it at the cross, we enable him as his ambassador. We allow him to take our burdens and our unforgiveness to heaven because we are here to bring heaven to earth as his ambassador. The great exchange gave us the love of God in our hearts. The great exchange gave us, the mind of Christ and the ability, we're supernatural people, we have the ability to forgive the unforgivable because he forgave us, and in forgiveness becomes freedom, and the joy of the Lord brings recovery and repair, such a plan he has for us that we would shine with love and forgiveness and take it and bring heaven out there in the darkness They're waiting on us. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you've been equipped. Now go.